Welcome to episode 18 of the DC Drop, where we talk all the news from this week, actually last week, in DC movies, TV, and comics. I'm Tom. And I'm Zach. Uh, yeah, we're a few days late here. That's all my fault for some scheduling stuff, but we are good to go and going to catch up on lots of news, including way back. The five-minute extended video for James Wan's Aquaman movie was released. Um, yeah, just a beautiful piece of footage, if you ask me. What do you think of this, Zach? Beautiful piece of footage is a, a very apt description. This, I mean, there isn't really a part of this trailer that looks bad. I, everything that flies in front of your eyeballs is just delicious and good looking. And um, yeah, it it's kind of crazy that this is like a five minute video. And I really don't feel like they gave away too much of the plot or I, I still don't f- feel like I can put the whole film together. I mean, I think I know the what's generally going to happen but a lot of times with trailers you can you can sort of put together what you think the entire story is going to be and what the entire film is going to be and like oh this is probably from this part and that's from this part um i still didn't really get that from this and that's it that's a good thing if they can show five minutes of footage and not give away the whole story of the film that's a pretty good thing um but yeah this is just absolutely beautiful and i gets me more excited than all the other things i've seen about aquaman and i was already pretty excited that's a good point about was too much revealed or anything like that because i'm sure if a five minute video is out there then people will think oh my gosh this is, i've seen the whole movie or things like that some people will say that i don't think that well, you can't judge that in my opinion you can't really judge that until the movie's out if it has revealed too much um because we don't know how it is ultimately going to fit in the film and we can maybe get, start to get some ideas but i th- still think it's all vague enough that we don't know that and to be honest five minutes here two and a half minute comic-con trailer we've probably seen less from this film at this far out i'm assuming we'll get one more trailer one two minute two and a half minute trailer or something closer to release date but we've probably seen less footage uh in terms of length of time than at this point in wonder woman batman v superman release schedule all of those they had um i mean wonder woman would have had two or three three minute trailers by now and things like that. So I still think overall we've seen less footage from this than any other film at this this far out in terms of the DCEU. But yeah, you mentioned how pretty it is. This is this to me is one of the just prettiest movies I have seen. Like forget comic book movies or anything like that. Just movies in general. Like the visuals for this just look great. I mean, whether it be the real real world water scenes, the the underwater scenes that are obviously CGI and, and need to be CGI, but everything looks good. I mean, no CGI jumps out of me being as to me as being bad. And it's just lots of pretty places and bright colors and cool costumes and all of that. And it just looks fantastic. Yeah. The specifically all of the underwater stuff and like seeing the, the kingdoms and then the battle towards the end of the the trailer the just scope and craziness of it the the cgi looks amazing already and they've still got a good chunk of time to to work on it and clean it up Um, and i'm sure there's a ton of stuff we haven't seen yet that they're still working on um, especially underwater Um, but yeah i was just really really impressed by the variety of the different locations that we saw in this in this five minute clip we saw a bunch of different locations underwater and they managed to make them look completely different and make them look kind of completely unique and new and like a place I've never been before that, but that I want to go to. And so that's really exciting that there's these, these whole worlds that we haven't explored yet that we're going to get a chance to see. Um, and just getting the brief glimpses of that is, is really exciting. Yeah. You mentioned scope and it's insane how big this looks. I think it's ultimately going to be Aquaman, Mira and Orm's main story. 
but I mean, just that massive battle that we've seen glimpses of and underwater battle and all of that, along with the, the smaller hand to hand type combat and all of that, it's just make it, makes it look like, like an epic scope. And it's crazy that an Aquaman film, this people always make fun of Aquaman, but I mean, this shows what is so great about Aquaman in this trailer for the most part and what you can do with a character in the world and all of that stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. And we get we we get the little briefest glimpse of Aquaman in his his suit, um, but the emphasis really is on kind of discovering who Arthur Curry is and what makes him him. You know, it opens up explaining about a little bit about his parentage and his mom and his dad, and we get to see some good moments between him and Mira and some good humor between that and basically it kind of seems like Mira is going to have to be the one to introduce him to Atlantis and what his kind of destiny and role is and you know some pushback from him on that um but yeah it it looks a, a, like a lot of fun with them kind of exploring through the desert and going on this Indiana Jones quest adventure kind of thing looking for stuff um figuring out who he is through that kind of part of the story I, i'm really looking forward to that yeah i mean, I think mean, all of that looks great uh nicole kidman is queen atlanta that fighting scene looks yeah. awesome I'm, I'm looking forward to that her her action scene and i hope we get to see tom curry we get to see him with arthur as an adult so hopefully he sticks around for a while and we get to see a, a little bit of him but yeah the action i mean that that black mana action scene that chase scene on the rooftops and everything like that that looks that looks like it's going to be fantastic and um it looks like a good good fun time with some really serious drama and everything like that and it looks looks good um if i have to if i have to nitpick the uh the scene in the with the the water that was mm-hmm. cool to see mirror's powers but uh the the jason momoa that definitely felt more like jason momoa in that scene than aquaman which is this movie's going to be about him becoming aquaman but i i can't really picture arthur curry saying that too much um we could have just peed on it or or things like that and now now there's just a lot of pee jokes in the DCEU from Granny's Peach Tea, Shazam can't pee in his costume. Uh, but it's, it was, it's still, it, I got a laugh out of me, but uh, it was a little more than I would have liked probably. But yeah, that co- costume reveal, once he comes out in full Aquaman classic orange and green costume, that looks fantastic. I mean, it's just the costume on screen. Like, don't right. overthink <laughs> it. I'm sure it's hard material-wise to make it look like that, but it looks great. Yeah, it looks fantastic. Um, like you said, the- it's definitely a little more Jason Momoa than we've, you know, than you're thinking of Arthur Curry. But at the same time, we really don't have that much to compare it to, especially in live action of this is what Arthur Curry is supposed to be like. But, you know, coming from the comics and everything. Um, but right. uh, and yeah, you said like you said, it's just a little nitpick, but it's still still landed for me. It's still like you said, it made me laugh. Um, and so i I'm very optimistic. It looks like they're doing a very good balance between oh, yeah. the humor um, without like taking away from the actual depth and like weight of the different emotions that they're trying to portray in this film. Um, and then going back to the, the Black Manta action scene, I think this that's the part that got me the most excited and I was <laughs> most surprised by is that I knew there's going to be beautiful CGI and there's going to be beautiful underwater battles and we see that brief glimpse of the the epic cgi war between a, a ton of different creatures and stuff but i wasn't expecting like unique and different practical um like above water kind of fight scenes and like creative camera angles and movements and all that stuff and that that just blew me away like they didn't have to do that they could have just stuck with the 
we can make underwater look really cool with CGI, but they did this this really cool choreographed fight scene, it looks like. And so I'm hoping that that is extended and there's even more to that. And then there's a, maybe a couple other sequences like that that we get to see as well. Yeah, how awesome to have a great land scene, a really yeah. inventive, smart, inventive land action scene by James Wan. So I thought that was really cool too. So definitely a lot to look forward to in Aquaman. Definitely. Um, and along with news with that, uh, Aquaman got a release date in China, and it is going to be December 7th. So it's going to be December 21st, 21st domestically. Uh, a lot of December 14th dates internationally. So I wonder if it's still a possibility for them to move up to December, December 7th in the U.S. just because we now, we know now the movie will be done then. Right. So if nothing else, they could release it then. I don't know if they want to because they seem to be sticking with December 21st, but even this late in the game, I think you could move it up two weeks if you want to, but they seem to be sticking with December 21st. Yeah, if I had to put money on it, I'd still say that December 21st is the first time that we're going to see it. Well, probably December 20th, the evening before, but, you know, whatever, movie theaters. Um, but, yeah, I I don't think they're going to move it, but like you said, they could if they wanted. Yeah, so we'll wait and see that, but just, just over, uh, well, some people are less than two months away from seeing this now. Yeah. So it, it's getting here. Elsewhere, onto Suicide Squad news, James Gunn from Super, Guardians of the Galaxy films, and other things like that, was hired to write and possibly direct the next Suicide Squad film. The rap was first on this, but it's con been confirmed by a lot of sources. So you might be thinking, what about Gavin O'Connor and the writing team for that? Uh, according to Variety's Justin Kroll, O'Connor's story was similar to Birds of Prey, and Birds of Prey was put into production before that, so O'Connor moved on. And so... Sounds like O'Connor would have basically had to start from scratch on Suicide Squad or make big time changes. So he wanted to, he moved on to something else, which he, he's got multiple other films in development. So uh, that's not, I think he's going to be fine. Um, let's get into James Gunn. Uh, so he was, he's done Super, he's done Guardians of the Galaxy. As a writer, he's done things like Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead and some other films like that. Um, fired recently from Disney for some older tweets mostly from some older tweets um i'm not going to say if you want to look them up and read about them you can do all that if you, i'm sure you've already know about it i'm not here to say whether you should support james gunn or not that's not what this uh podcast is about but from a a business perspective zach what do you think about the hiring of james gunn for this yeah i mean business perspective and creative perspective of the kind of talent that this brings to a to a sequel film um i I mean, I think it's a really good decision. I think James Gunn is very talented and he has already proven himself to be able to do. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy is pretty as basically as close of an analogy you can get in Marvel to that you're going to get to Suicide Squad. And I think he did personally, I think he did a really good job on that. And obviously, a lot of people went to the theaters to watch it and enjoyed it as well. So, I, I mean, I think this is a really good decision and I think that he could do something really cool with suicide squad um that being said it's still it, when they were when at first they were first talking about a, a sequel to suicide squad i was a bit confused as how does this fit in with all of the other harley projects and the other sort of projects that kind of circle around suicide squad and it still seems like maybe they don't know exactly how that fits in and they're bringing in james gunn to to rework it and figure that out um, so I'm I'm interested to see what his ideas are, if he has new ideas that other people haven't had, or if they, they bring in some other writers and how that kind of fits in with some of the other projects that are ongoing right now. Yeah. So I like Gavin O'Connor and I was excited to to see what he did he would do with Suicide Squad. And I think we've 
talk since Suicide Squad came out is maybe making a more grounded street level, smaller scale Suicide Squad. I don't think James Gunn necessarily prevents that. Just because he's done Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't mean he will he will go large scale or can't do a little bit darker Suicide Squad film or anything like that. So I'm not necessarily worried about that. And Gunn is proven more so than Gavin O'Connor in terms of making blockbuster films that a lot of people like and go to see. Uh, I I like the first Guardians of the Galaxy. I there was one funny joke in the second film, so I'm not as high on that one. I don't I don't have anything else good to say about the second Guardians film besides the joke about the Zune. Um, but obviously, he's a lot of people liked it and it did very well. So you can understand this looks like an upgrade from from a creative making a blockbuster type film. Um, having said that, DC has had a lot of uh, questionable PR, and so James Gunn has been a bit in the news for negative reasons. Uh, so I wonder if that brings a bit of unnecessary drama to the DC film slate. I mean, do you think that could be an issue? I mean, it, it could definitely be an issue. And there, there are people who are upset about, it. and you know, I, like I said, we're not going to get into the weeds about it. And there's, there's people, there's obviously valid reasons for being upset, but I think maybe more than some of the other like group of scandals that have happened just in the entertainment industry as a whole, I think a lot of people have been more forgiving of James Gunn and more understanding of what what happened. And, you know, so, yeah, it's not going to be a there's definitely not going to be no cost. I think some people are going to be upset that he got hired and there's definitely going to be some some press and news about it. But honestly, like it's a cliche, but maybe all press is good. Press can work in this instance. It doesn't obviously always work, but I think <laughs> it's not so overwhelmingly negative that it's going to like tank their shares or make nobody want to watch this movie if anything it might just make people talk about it a little bit more and that's maybe a bit crass to think that way but i think it's true yeah i'm I'm curious to see what kind of reaction is out there i know a lot of people are upset about it um a lot of people are, think it's great and so i think there, there's a very a lot of varied reactions here and so um we'll see how it how it turns out um in terms of what the actual film might be uh which would be fun to talk about uh boris kit from the hollywood reporter said on twitter that it will be a new take and not a sequel so the question here he also said it was unknown if there would be recasting so the question here if it's, if he means not a sequel as in an entirely different continuity which i don't think he's getting at and which i hope he's not getting at or if he means not a sequel like how patty jenkins says wonder woman in 1984 is not a sequel to wonder woman Right. I Yeah, I take that as, like you said, the Wonder Woman kind of take, which is it is a brand new story that contains the characters that you liked from Suicide Squad, them on a, a new adventure. The the things that happened in the first film aren't going to be huge in shaping or impacting what this where this story takes place or why it takes place, but it's still going to be in the same continuity. That's how I take it, at least. That's certainly how I, I want to take it. Um, right. Of course, with Elseworlds and things like that. Every time a DC project comes up, because there's at least one not in continuity, there the question is always raised. But I think it would be Suicide Squad. It's inherent to change the team, obviously, because a lot of them get blowed up real good. Um, so I think you have to have Will Smith as Deadshot and Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn back, just from a strict business perspective. Those are the two biggest draws by far. And personally, I I would be very upset if Viola Davis as Amanda Waller wasn't back. So I think you've got those three, but you can have a new team. I want to see some of those characters back, like Captain Boomerang and 
even if he didn't get to throw many boomerangs or anything like that. And and the rest of the cast, I would like to see. But Suicide Squad, it makes sense to change the roster and if have a whole new group of characters around Deadshot and Harley. I think you can do that. And spoilers for Suicide Squad, hell to pay the animated movie, but you could do something even where you bring everybody back for an opening mission, blow up half the team, just to remind people what the Suicide Squad is, and then Amanda Waller recruits a whole bunch of new villains or or pulls them out of Bell Rev or, or whatever. So I think I think that would make sense to get a very new team while still sticking with those, especially those two most important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with what you said. So let's talk Deathstroke. Uh, Gareth Evans was interviewed by comicbook.com. He, who was attached to or in talks to write and direct the film, he said he had a few conversations with Warner Brothers DC and Joe Manganiello and did some research into the character. But, quote, nothing really went beyond those conversations. I haven't heard anything for a really long time. So it's about a year ago that he was, you know, in talks to write or write and direct. But not a lot has happened since then in terms of Deathstroke movement. Uh, to me, it doesn't sound like anything's going to be happening for a while, especially if he hasn't heard from anyone since the new administration came along at DC Films. Yeah, and that's a bit disappointing because this is one of the things that I was really looking forward to and also they i don't know they got to use them somewhere because they already at least in my mind they got to use them somewhere because they've already set him up in the the post-credit scene of justice league so if if he's not getting his own film then where is he showing up because he needs to show up somewhere well we'd like him to yeah right (laughs) i think we certainly like him too so i think suicide squad 2 would be a great way for him to be the antagonist where maybe he's taking on the whole team or something like that i think that would be really cool where they're both going after the same thing you know to go back to the old black adam idea i don't know if james gunn has any interest in that but um yeah i think that would be a cool way to include him and you can still have deathstroke can kind of pop up in lots of different places i don't think we're going to get a solo movie anytime soon even though a gareth evans lower budget action movie could be fantastic it doesn't sound like that's going to happen but hopefully joe manganello as deathstroke does pop up some other places soon um, but Evans did describe the film a little bit when talking with the Hollywood Reporter, and he called it quite lean, quite mean in that way, and be something that wasn't afraid to go to some pretty dark places because that character has some pretty dark history about him. So he did talk about how he did lots of research and the different origins for Deathstroke and things like that. So he did look into it. This was legitimate. I, I don't know what the chances of seeing it are, but it doesn't seem really high on the list of priorities. Yeah, it doesn't seem high. I, I'd like to see this, but I'm yeah, it's it's probably not super likely that it's coming anytime soon, if ever. Um, but like you said, hopefully Deathstroke can pop up in other places. And yeah, Suicide Squad 2 would be a great place. All right, moving on to TV news. CBS has put a Secret Six television series into development, uh, according to Variety. So CBS has committed to pilot production and Rick Murigai from Suits is going to write and executive produce. And there's a description of the show, and it says the project follows six morally ambiguous strangers, each with their own unique specialties and secret paths. They are brought together by an enigmatic figure who blackmails them into working as a team to expose the corruption of the corrupt and politically elite. Yeah, so that sounds very similar in broad strokes to Suicide Squad. That's because it it kind of is. Yeah, It's a group of six, a lot of time villains who are are working together to whatever, like, like the description, the show description says there, so... Uh, we can see this going on to CBS. Um, they committed to a pilot, which means there's a good chance of series, but not necessarily. Um, yeah, they're, they're, I think the Secret Six have been around since the 60s. Most well-known was the version that started around 2005 by Gail Simone. 
It's kind of the most well-known. The team consisted of Catman, Deadshot, Cheshire, Ragdoll, Scandal Savage, and Mad Hatter, and some other ones. Usually it's six people, obviously, because it's Secret Six, but that, that's had a variety of different ones. And it's usually some really C or D list type DC villains. There's some bigger ones occasionally, like Deadshot, Bane, Harley was in it briefly, uh, and things like that. But this is potentially a chance to see a lot of C and D list DC villains working together. Yeah, and it would be cool to see these these villains that you don't see, probably won't get a chance to see in live action normally. Um, and also cool that CBS is kind of swinging back around and saying, maybe we want a piece of that superhero pie again. Um, and it's it's interesting that this is what they decided to go with. So it it probably had a pretty good pitch and maybe they're not even, they probably won't even target it towards superhero fans or comic book fans. I'm, I'm guessing it'll just be like, a ragtag group of people who go and are not super nice, but go and try to solve crime, not solve crimes, but like fix things, I guess. Um, so I, I wonder how much power and comic bookery will go into the show. Yeah. DC is trying to get on as many networks as they can get something everywhere. So CBS had Supergirl. That always seemed kind of like a strange fit for CBS. Their, their programming, obviously they've got a lot of different stuff, but this is more of a, you could definitely see this as almost a political and, crime procedural type thing mixing a a few different genres and everything there uh, and might be a better fit for cbs yeah for sure uh next up we got our first look at ruby rose suited up as batwoman for the cw uh she's gonna first appear in elseworlds the crossover uh you took a look at this tom what'd you think i really like it i think it's i think it's really good if i if i need to nitpick real quick it could use a little bit more red some red accents just for comic book accuracy but this is maybe the best CW costume reveal. Uh, it's definitely definitely up there with the tops. Um, yeah, the, the material looks, whatever the suit is actually made out of, looks a little weird, but I'm not concerned about it. It doesn't look bad or anything. It just looks weird, but I, uh, I, think, it, I, mean, I think it looks great. I mean, you got the red hair, you got the big red bat. Um, I think this is even going to look better in action, especially, you know, she's always going to be in night scenes for the most part. So I think it looks really good and really close to comic book accuracy and i, I think it's going to be fantastic in action yeah i i agree with you I, i'm normally pretty hard on these cw costume reveals because a lot of times they spend it seems like they spend so much time photoshopping the one still <laughs> picture that it's never going to live up to that um and it's never going to look that good in action but this time it seems like they they went pretty simple with it um just nice a lot of black and a big red bat like you said and it looks really good i definitely get like it just reminds me of batman beyond because that's one of my favorite things ever i know that's not what this is but <laughs> it just reminds me of that um but yeah it, it looks really 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 good yeah and i think i think it looks fantastic i'm wondering how it's going to fit fit into the crossover and everything but yeah we have we have a look at batman and it's batwoman and it's really good uh so it, i found something we know there's a show in development and I, we missed this a couple months ago but according to CW president Mark Pedowitz said in August that they were going to do a pilot for mid-season, which I I had not heard that before. We were thinking fall 2019. I still think that's the case, or we would have heard more about this by now. It's possible they they do it mid mid-season this coming 2019, especially if they wait till February or March. But um, I just thought it was strange that they said they would do a pilot in mid-season because normally they shoot the pilot February March for a September October debut. But um, yeah, I'm sure we'll get more information about that eventually they should be the crossover filming now so they should be getting to see their first look at batwoman in action yeah a, a bit of a, a strange nugget that we missed so i i won't read into it too much although it is 
the president of CW saying that. Um, but like you said, I, I'm still not expecting it to actually come out in midseason. Next up, we got another reveal, a uh, first look. We got our first look at Lobo in Krypton from actor Emmett Scanlon on Instagram. Um, so he's going to be recurring maybe as the big bad in season two. Um, again, I'm just kind of blown away with how good this looks. Um, <laughs> sci-fi has done an amazing job with Krypton and um, the effects and the costumes and makeup and everything. And Lobo is definitely not an exception to that. He's, he falls in there. He, he looks really, really good. Um, Hopefully you agree, because um, I don't know. Then I'll maybe have to fight you. Uh, no, you don't have to fight me. Krypton has my favorite costume and makeup department out of all of DC TV. In in defense to everyone else, they've only had to do a couple really hard ones in Brainiac and Lobo, but they've nailed them. Uh, this this looks like Lobo in that it is big and loud and obnoxious and over the top, which is exactly what Lobo is, and that's what it looks like. So I mean, it's fantastic. They they went all out with it. Uh, including the jeans they, they didn't even go the the easy way out of giving him the planet of the apes jacket yeah. so you only have to put makeup on his face and hands maybe they'll do that for the series but i mean they show his full body and in costume and and uh and everything like that and he looks great uh, i can't wait to see what they do with lobo yeah and the the caption that he's got on instagram i won't read it out loud to you because it's a little a little bit pg-13 for me uh but <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm hoping that whatever his like agent or sci-fi PR people didn't write this for him. And he just did this on his own because it's pretty awesome. And I, I hope that the person playing him is this much in character that he can pull off a caption like that. So um, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. And it sounds like they're definitely going with the original eighties Lobo. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty cool to see um, Yeah, fun. Other nugget DC universe is going to add Krypton in 2019. I presume season one. So that is where that is going. It's not going to Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or anything like that. It looks like it's going straight to DC Universe. On to comic book news. DC has announced a new Wonder Comics imprint for younger readers that will be led by Brian Michael Bendis. So the main big book here is Young Justice, which obviously people know of the TV show, but also there was a Young Justice comic late 90s, early 2000s. And this one written by Bendis will feature the Tim Drake Robin, the Connor Kent Superboy, Impulse, and also some new characters, Jenny Hex, who is Jonah's descendant, and Teen Lantern, which is about a Bolivian girl who hacked the Green Lantern's power battery. I don't I don't know what that's going to be about, but that sounds pretty cool. Uh, I'm, I think this is pretty neat to see what they do with it, and I like that they're doing an imprint for younger readers in particular. Yeah, and this is cool. Like we've, we've said a few times, but anything that can kind of open up uh, the fan base or bring in new segments of the population that maybe haven't connected with other parts or other stories. I'm always on board for that. And I, I'm glad that they're, they're targeting some younger readers and yeah, team lantern. That sounds really cool. Somebody who gets green lanterns powers by hacking. That's like right up my alley. My two passions, <laughs> green lantern and hacking in case you wondered. Hacking. So <laughs> no, it, it, it seems pretty cool. Yeah. So this is going to debut in 2019, obviously with Young Justice. There's also going to be three other titles. Wonder Twins, featuring the Wonder Twins from Super Friends. Uh, They're going to be back in comic book form. Dial H for Hero. And there's a new series titled Naomi. So pretty cool to see this imprint. Well, Zach, elsewhere, Titans has debuted. The first episode is out. You want to do a little non-spoiler talk on it real quick? All right. Well, then what did you think of it? (laughs) Um, So I will say that I am mixed, but more positive than i thought i was going to be i the thing that stands out the most to me that i really like is that this is not a 
a one episode that you can just watch out of order. Um, it very, very much feels like this is just one small part of a really big story that is going to unfold over the the whole course of the series. And I'm really, really excited about that. And so having said that, it makes it a little hard to judge just this first episode on its own because it's kind of like when we do comic book reviews and it's part of an arc and we do one review at it like one issue at a time it's really hard to judge that first issue or that second issue without knowing where the story is going and what parts play into it and what parts go unused um but overall pretty good uh there was some stuff like i don't know some of the effects weren't super great especially around beast boy i was worried about seeing the the tiger in action I didn't think it looked that great, um, but there was only a few seconds of it, and it was only the, the first episode. Um, there's a lot of murder and killing from some characters that maybe you don't associate with that, and so that's interesting, and that's, again, where I guess maybe I'm going to reserve some judgment until later on to see why these things are happening, um, but yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> yeah, and I think I need to give it especially with these streaming shows it probably need the, the full season but it always takes a few episodes to figure out what a show is but i really like this i thought those were a really strong start i've got i've got some nitpicks for sure but it, yeah i've noticed with streaming shows they tend to be even with shorter seasons they tend to be slower developing uh which can be good or bad but just as an example this i think this show will probably take four to five episodes to get to the point where legends of tomorrow was after its first episode and it, and there, there are pros and cons to that because you can develop develop certain things different ways and all of that. So I think that is that's not that's not necessarily good or bad. But um, I just noticed they're a little bit slower developing. But for the most part, I thought the cast did a terrific job with what they were asked to do. I like um, Anna Jap did really good uh, as Starfire. I, I I mean I like everyone in the role. So yeah, the the characters for the most part seemed really good and. Um, I didn't notice anything special effects wise that stood out negative like you did. I, I guess I didn't pay attention as closely, but I mean, they certainly didn't spend a lot of time doing visual effects. I mean, it was definitely more of a, a grounded type story where we didn't show, you know, Starfire's not flying yet or anything like that. So we won't get into that too much, but um, the action scene was really cool. A little too violent, uh, a little violent in spots, particularly um, I won't get into it, but there's one or two shots where, if I saw one or two more of those, I might have had to turn it off. Not necessarily because my my stomach churned, but um, it was just not what I like superhero shows for. So I, I'm in the minority there, I think, because I know a lot of people love that stuff and, and really like the, the darker, more violent take on things. So I think that's fine. But overall, I think it's a really strong start, and I want to see where it goes from here and how it develops and everything like that. So that's a really good, really good start, if you ask me. All right. Well, that is all we have for today. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon.